0: I don't know if it's odd for you, but it's a little odd for me to have Kevin be here and give announcements, and then I step up and do the message. It's not something that many uh, lead pastors let happen very often, so I appreciate that. As Kevin mentioned, that this weekend we celebrate Memorial Day. Formerly known as Decoration Day, it originated after the Civil War to commemorate the Union and Confederate soldiers who died during battle. By the 20th century, Memorial Day has been extended to honor all Americans who died while in military service. For many of us, Memorial Day is a day that we remember our loved ones who went before us, not just from the military, but all of our loved ones. Many of you will be making a trip out to a gravesite, or have made a trip to a gravesite this weekend, of someone that you've loved very dearly, where you will leave flowers and pause for a moment to reflect on the time that you had with them. The truth is, is that death is all around us, and it's the only for a certain outcome that we all face. At times, death is cause for celebration. When we experience a loved one in tremendous amounts of pain or deteriorating from a terminal illness, we often pray for death to come quickly in order to end our loved one's suffering. When our parents or grandparents have lived a good long life, we oftentimes, even in the midst of our sadness, are comforted knowing that it was their time to go and now they're in paradise. At other times, death brings with it pain and hurt and anger, confusion and overwhelming grief. Death can leave us asking questions of how a loving God allows such things to happen. It's hard for us to understand when children die before they were really able to experience what life could be for them. This week we've heard on the news how a tornado in Oklahoma killed 24 people seven of them, eight- and nine-year-olds. Two students from St. Louis Park, fourth-grade students, died while on a field trip looking for fossils. And the Internet this week was abuzz with the news of a 17-year-old boy from Stillwater named Zach who died on Tuesday. Over the past months, we as a church have emphasized joy. We have given the people the opportunity to to email in their stories of joy. We've posted them in our weekly e-blast, put them on our Facebook page, and in our monthly newsletter called The Messenger. The elders have shared that a major initiative this, for this year is to grow as a community in joy. Kevin and Kevin Meyer and Peter Kapschner have shared from the platform and challenged us to grow in joy. We've even had these wristbands made that remind us to be joyful, to pray continually, and to give thanks. I'm so thankful that Kevin and and the elders have led us as a body into the spot of experiencing joy. Isn't it great? And I got to tell you that that people are noticing when they're walking in our church doors. It's so fun to be on the uh, church staff and and to see the comment cards that come in, and, and people just sharing their stories of joy. God's been doing something, and it's really been fun to be part of. But with this emphasizing joy on joy, there can be this perceived pressure to paint a smile on your face no matter how fake it may be. In my ministry with high school and middle school students, I've seen students put on a mask in order to fit in. It's amazing how early the process begins of putting on a mask so that we feel accepted and that we're presentable to others. We want you to know that we, your pastors and leaders, are not interested in you pretending to be someone that you are not in order to please us and neither is God. There will be times in our lives when we will experience great pain and sorrow. There will be times when it feels very difficult for us to experience feelings of joy. Kevin mentioned last week in his his message that Paul even expressed this in his letter to the Philippians. You know, there's something good and healthy about taking time to mourn. Therapists and pastors of have had many people who have not processed through their pain darken their doorways. We must allow ourselves to move into a time of mourning in order to move through it. The great thing is that we have a God who's not just with us in our joyful times, but also in our times that it feels like he's abandoned us for the moment. He loves us and he can bring us back to a point of joy. Joel's going to lead us in a, a hymn together. And as we sing that, my prayer is that healing occurs. I pray that the grief would be expressed and then lifted. So as the piano plays and the words have not yet been sung, reflect on what's keeping you from experiencing joy this morning. Give it to God. And maybe at the end of the song, we can continue. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. you are a God that is with us at all times. We thank you that you are a God that is ever moving. And God, in in your desire for us to be joyful, in, in your delight that you take in our joy, God, thank you that you've also given us time to be mournful. Father, help us not to rest in that spot too long. Help us to see and always be hopeful of what is to come because You are a God that is a God of hope and a God who who restores and makes things new. God, don't let us rest in a spot of gloom. Help us to move to a point of joy. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Sometimes it's good, right? Yeah, sometimes it's good. And and I was, I was a little concerned as I was putting the message together that what a downer to, to go into. But, but I think that's part of life. We need to come to a spot where we don't just put on a mask. That we, we live life, and in life there are some great things, but there are some hard things as well. And we need to recognize that there are, there are hard things. Today we're going to be looking at a passage in Ecclesiastes. And uh, it's a a book written by Solomon, and uh, it's what scholars call wisdom literature. When I'm teaching this book to students, I often say that Solomon had a bad day and decided to write a book. Because as you read it, as you read it, it's filled with rants about how everything's the same and nothing's new under the sun and how meaningless life is and... It's a bad day. I mean, Solomon looks to be in a bad day. And that's how chapter 9, if you want to go to chapter 9, that's the passage that we'll be in. And that's kind of how chapter 9 starts. Is Solomon just seems to be having a bad day. And he's reminding us that, that life is meaningless and, and this just work, and then you die. But then there's something that happens in, in verse 7. There seems to be a little bit of a change. And for the next little short passage, it seems that this man that is considered to be the wisest man in all history gives us some of the nuggets of wisdom. So let's look at those nuggets. Starting in verse 7, it says, Go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For now is the time... That God favors what you do. Solomon's first nugget of wisdom for us is to enjoy life with others. Enjoy life with others. I like to call bread and wine scriptural comfort foods or, or community foods. And, and Solomon is telling us in this passage that we should enjoy them. Oftentimes, when we read about bread and wine in Scripture, we also see that there's community going on around that. Tomorrow, our family, along with four or five other families from our street, probably six or seven other families from our street, are going to get together in a driveway. We're going to have, and we're going to roast meat over an open flame. It's going to be fun. Many of you are probably going to do the same kind of thing. Anyone going to grill out tomorrow? Couple? Yeah. It's it's the tradition of Memorial Day. And the kids will be, all of our neighborhood kids, there will be like 25 of them or something, will be outside in the street playing a game of kickball. There will be bursts of laughter, and then probably even a few temper tantrums and squabbles, if that's my life. And, And that's just me, and it's not even my kids. And we'll be having a great time. And you know what? So will God. So will God. God delights, God delights in our enjoyment. Think about that. The God who created all things and is greater than our minds can fathom takes pleasure in our joy. Yeah. The God who created all things and it's bigger than we can imagine, takes pleasure in our joy. Now that I'm a parent, I can kind of understand that. I could a little bit when I was a kid, but now as a parent, I can even understand that more. Because when my girls come home from school or from a birthday party, and they just had a wonderful time, you know what that does? It makes me joyful. And as I listen to their story, I get the smile on my face. Because I delight in what my daughters delight in. It brings me joy. And and Solomon is telling us that that God delights in what we're doing. For some, there is this belief that earthly pleasure is bad. But it's not true. Sinful pleasure is bad. There are things that are sins, and that pleasure is bad, but against love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, there is no law. Sometimes we can give up on experiencing joy in the present. And we use statements that sound very right and religious, like, this is my temporary home. I know that someday I'll experience joy in heaven. Although that's true, heaven's going to be awesome, wonderful, great. All, all these other words that you could think of, magnificent. Jesus tells us that we should pray that for that joy here on earth. In his prayer, when he teaches us how to pray, he says, um, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? 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 on earth as it is in heaven. God's desire is that we don't just die and experience those things someday, but that we experience those while we're here on earth. Earth is not... I have to read this because I wrote it down. Earth is not to be a hell that we escape when we die. Some of us view it that way, right? Life is awful. Sometimes we even get stuck in these ruts where it seems like we've had been in... Things have just been bad sometimes for a long time. And sometimes we get in that, and when we're in those ruts for a long time, we just think, someday I'll get out of this hell. This someday I'll be with God and and get out of this hell. But earth is not to be a hell that we escape when we die. It is to be a place where we are to live while we're alive. To live, to experience joy While we're alive. Remember that God has created us for relationships. Again, we talk about that and we see that in the garden. As God creates, He says it's not good for man to be alone. He's created us for relationship. In fact, in Jesus' times, eating with people was a very intimate thing to do. And that's why there was such a fuss about it. About when Jesus would invite these people, these sinners, into His home, the fuss was, wait, wait. That's an intimate thing to do. Why is he associating with, with sinners? There's something about getting together with people with, in real relationships that helps us to experience joy to the fullest. Take a minute. Think about some times that you've been super joyful. Were you alone or were you with someone? Someone. Solomon seems to say that the first nugget of wisdom is that we enjoy time with others, that we eat with others, that we share a meal with others. And so this weekend, I will be with my crazy awesome neighbors in joy, and God will delight in that. Nugget number two. Nugget number two. Verse 8 says this. This is, a weird, this is a weird verse. It says, Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. For the nugget summary, I said, Find celebration in the everyday. Find celebration in the everyday. Think about where people wear white. Not Memorial Day through Labor Day. Not where, when, but but Where? Whenever I think of white, I go to one spot. Can you guess where it is? A wedding, right? A wedding. And, and I've had the privilege to be at lots of weddings and to officiate a handful of them. And whenever I stand here and I see the doors open and the bride walks down towards the groom in her white dress, there's just something special that happens. There's, I just—I mean, sometimes I even tear up, and that's just me, I guess. But sometimes I even tear up about it. But it's cause for great celebration. Dressing in white with oil on your head in Solomon's Day meant the same thing. It meant celebration. It meant you were going to to celebrate something. Um, in Solomon's Day, not many people wore white, because white by the end of. Today, after lunch, this will somehow have a stain on it. I don't know how it happens, but it happens. And white is very hard to cl- keep clean. And so, if, if you were um, not super wealthy, you just didn't have lots of clothes that you could keep clean. So, the only time, and a rarity, you would wear white is if you were going to a festivity, a, a, a party. The same with the oil on the head. That would be like Perfume. I remember stories of of grandma's expensive perfume or my mom. I remember even my mom. We didn't have lots growing up. But there, there was this one special bottle of perfume that someone gave her. And she would wear that just for special occasions. And the oil on the same thing is the same thing. Solomon is telling us to live as if each day is a celebration. Live as if each day is a celebration. For high school and middle school students in here, I don't, I don't know if there's some in here, but we have this thing, This, I think it's Unilever that created this problem for us. It's called Axe Body Spray. And Axe Body Spray is sold on the premise that if you are a, a male and you spray it all over yourself, that women will find you irresistible. It doesn't work. Just ask our high school voice. But they've tried. They've tried. And, and you go on to a retreat, and it's like before supper, and the, day, uh, the ritual, and it's, multi, it's not a daily ritual. It's multi-times a day. But they take this spray, and they're like, <sharp inhale> spray it all over themselves. And then you come back, like four hours later for bed, and there's still this haze going on. But there's something that they're getting ready for. They're going to get ready. Their boys are getting ready for this time. If it was just boys, not going to happen. They're not wearing the spray. But since they're going to a spot where uh, we're going to go out to eat together, or we're going to the dining hall to eat, and there's going to be girls there, it's something special. It's a festivity. It's a cel- celebration. It's a celebration. I don't think Solomon's really telling us to wear white. And cover our heads in oil. Instead, I think what's going on is that he's saying, telling us to find joy in the everyday. Don't really wear white every day. Just pretend you are. Just just dress like every day is a celebration. Minnesota weather has been crazy this year. Agreed? Yeah, it's freezing outside, right? It's cold. And I have to admit, I've had a few outbursts of complaining about it. Now, if you've been in this series, you know one of the things we shouldn't do is complain because it steals our joy. We shouldn't do it. But I've had a few outbursts. Even this weekend. Even this weekend. Last weekend, my dad was in town. And my dad is at the spot where he's hitting retirement. And uh, he lives out in Pennsylvania, but all of his, most of his kids live here. And so... We've been, for the last number of years, saying, Hey, Dad, why don't you buy another home in Minnesota and then spend the summers here? And, and he hasn't done that. But this last week, he bought a boat. And he bought us himself a boat that he can use one or two weeks of summer, but we get to use all the other time. It's nice, right? Nice. I shouldn't complain about this, but fun. somehow I found a way to complain. So this boat has been sitting in my driveway for the last week. And I thought, oh, soon, soon, I'll get this out. In fact, I've had a plan almost daily. Okay, if I get the truck, I can go take it on the water this time. But the problem's been it's been raining or it's been too cold. I don't want to put on a winter jacket to go sit on my boat. No, it'd be fun. And the truth is that we all have plans that go awry. We all have plans that go awry. Sometimes we put so much energy into something and, and it should come out just perfectly and then it just doesn't work out. For many different reasons, sometimes our plans go awry. We have, when that happens, we have a couple options. We can get flustered and upset as my temper tantrums that I talked about is often that. Um... But it results not only in us getting upset, but often the consequence is that we get the people upset that are around us, and that rubs off. Or we can make the best out of a situation and try to find the silver lining. I think that there's a silver lining in most circumstances. We just don't choose to recognize it. Think about that. There's probably a silver lining in most circumstances that we just don't recognize. And the thing is, the more quickly we get uh, past being upset because our plan didn't work out, the more quickly that we'll see that silver lining. So if we just sit in this moment where we go, oh, this is awful, this is awful, we just are going to ignore what we could do instead. But yesterday, instead of going on on the boat, I was able to go, my wife runs, and she ran like eight miles that's not going to happen for me. So I threw my rollerblades on and took my dog, and, and we rollerbladed, and he ran along with my wife. And it was wonderful. There's a silver lining oftentimes that we don't see. Another key thing that keeps us experiencing from experiencing joy in our everyday is living for the future. Now, this sounds kind of awkward, because as Americans, we're trained... To prepare for the future many of us have retirements accounts and and i'm not saying any of that's bad but one of the things that keeps us from experiencing joy in the present is oftentimes living for the future in his book total money makeover dave ramsey says live like no one else so later you can live like no one else i'm a big fan of dave ramsey and my wife and i have put many of the things that he said into practice but this one, I struggle with a little bit. Because that's my natural tendency. See, I'm, if you, any of you are familiar with the Strength Finder, and many of you probably are, Strength Finders has top five strengths. And my, one of my top five strengths, one of the top three strengths, is futuristic. I have a hard time settling and enjoying what I'm in. Oftentimes I got to jump into okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? We have a great idea. Oh, that's awesome! It's a great time, and I go, what's next? When I was a kid, even it happened. My dad and I would go camping. Whole family would go camping, and I was—I mean, before camping, I was like, Dad, let's go, let's go, let's go. We'd set up the tent, sit down, and almost every trip, because he said something to me about this afterward. I would say, so, Dad, how long are we staying? When are we leaving? Right afterwards. Because I couldn't, in that moment, enjoy where we were at. For me, if you look at life, I'm a family ministry pastor and I get to work with high school and and, and students and everything. But but one of the things that that I get to see and experience and one of the things we're trying to figure out as a church is is how do we best minister to people in their current life stage. And life stage is always shifting. Uh, When I was in elementary school, I wanted to be in middle school. When I was in middle school, I wanted to be in high school. I went to college. Uh, when I was in college, about after two weeks, I thought, man, I want to get married. There's this always this next stage for me. There's always something else that, that happened. And, I, and it kept me from, from enjoying where I was at. I got married. Next, I wanted kids. Teresa and I had kids when she was like 23 years old. And then we, we had kids. And now that I have kids, guess what I long for? My time with my wife again. Isn't it crazy? See what happens sometimes is we live so much for the future that we, we don't we don't enjoy the time that we're on. One of the joy stealers is is from, one of the things that steals our joy from an experience in everyday life is that we're so future focused. And and Teresa and I are pretty different in this. She she took a full time job this year, and one of the things that, that happened is she's not in the classroom on a weekly basis of our kids. And for her, that was a big loss. For me, I didn't want to be in the classroom on a weekly basis with the kids. But she says to me every once in a while, Kevin, don't wish this time away. You're missing out. Don't wish this time away. I uh, play cards on Tuesdays with with a group of older men. All of them are more than twice my age. And they're all, they were all in the military. One was a captain. One was uh, a chief. Another one was... Um, in the marines and and they all have these stories these great stories of life and and i'll say to them every once in a while i'll say oh i look forward to that time with my wife and 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 you know when it's just me and her and we get a real really connect and and they almost get upset and they said kevin stop wishing your life away he said if we could we would go back and just enjoy the moment how often do we hear that? Enjoy the moment that you're in. Solomon's wisdom. Enjoy the moment you're in. I gotta tell one more story about this point and then we'll move on. I have a friend named John. And John was my best friend in high school. And we were on a we were both seniors, and senior year when I was in high school meant whoo, party. Because it was we had all of our you know coursework done that we needed to have done and everything. And and so we took We took classes that we thought would be fun. And we took this class called Environmental Awareness. Environmental Awareness. That's great. There's environment around us, everyone. And... And we were in that class, and one of the things that we did for that class, besides making igloos and sleeping in them and all these different things, but we went to this nature center, this park reserve. And we were in there, and it was just turning spring, so it was kind of warm but not super warm. Everything was melted and everything, but, but it wasn't yet the warm spring. And in the middle of this pond, I mean, in the middle of this park was a pond. And I looked at John, and I said, I'll give you $10 if you jump in that pond. And John's like, whoosh, close and all, jumped into the pond. In the middle of school, jumped right in the pond, was soaking wet, and he got out. As he came out of the water, he says, Carpe diem. Seize the day. That's just how he lived. Carpe diem. Seize the day. I was watching the series premiere of... And what if we all lived more like that? Seize the day. Experience the day that you're in. Enjoy the day that you're in. I was watching the uh, Office series finale. I don't know if many of you watch the Office. But in, in the Office, there's a character named Andy Bernard. And Andy Barnard, the whole series that he's in of The Office is reminiscent about his days gone by at Cornell and how much has he missed them. And as the series, the series ends, they film all these employees as their, as their final thoughts on, on leaving The Office. And Andy Bernard says this. He says, I wish there was a way to know that you're in the good old days before you left them. Wouldn't it be nice if once in a while people just shake you and say, you are in the good old days. Experience joy in your every day because tomorrow's a new day and you've lost that opportunity. Experience joy in your every day. All right, the third nugget of wisdom. Third nugget of wisdom is this. Enjoy time with your spouse. Enjoy time with your spouse. Solomon uh, writes, Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love. All these days, again, this is his ranting about meaningless days. All the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. Your meaningless days for this is your lot in life. In, in, uh, In the New Living Translation, it says this. It says, live happily with the woman you love through all your meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. Yeah, right? Solomon. Come on, guy. Pull out of it. But then he says this. He says, the wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. Think about that. When's the last time you looked at the person next to you, for many of you, and thought, you are my reward. Teresa and I dated very young. And, and I could tell you, when I was in high school, Teresa was my reward. Even when we broke up, I knew this is going to be the woman I marry. And, just, and it was so exciting. And every day I got to spend with her was, was like this, this joyful occasion. It was awesome. But how quickly, it, within our first year of marriage, that wears off. Solomon's telling us to enjoy life to the fullest, enjoy your spouse. Treasure your spouse. Delight in your spouse. We won't spend much time on that because I know for those that are married, you hear that and you know immediately what that means for you. And there are some in this room that aren't married. So we won't spend too much time on that, but Solomon says to live a life to the fullest and to live a life with joy, enjoy time with your spouse. There's an ancient quote from the Talmud, a commentary uh, on Jewish law that says this, A man should eat and drink beneath his means, clothe himself within his means, and honor his wife above his means. You know, marriage... Our relationship is perfect, but within that relationship are moments of perfection. All right, the fourth wisdom, and the fourth and the last nugget of wisdom is is a, is view your job as a gift. View your job as a gift. Now, some of us are are good at this. Some of us love our jobs. But let's go and see what the verse says. The verse says this, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the grave where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. In that verse, the word hand suggests the ability. Whatever you have the ability or find suggests the opportunity. Whatever you have the ability or the opportunity to do it, go do it. Whatever you have the ability and opportunity to do, do it. And might in that passage suggest intensity, to do it with intensity, to, to, do, to, to really put your whole self into that. There are times, I don't know about you, but I work at a great church and I have a wonderful job and I love it, but there are times that I do not see my job as a privilege. There are moments in my job that I go, seriously, I deserve better than this. Right? You probably experience the same thing. And you know what's a real joy killer? A real joy killer in our job and everywhere else is when we start to compare ourselves to what everyone else has. So this is the salary of that person, Then my salary should be there as well. Or, this person gets this much time off, that's what I should get off as well. Or, it really seems like the boss favors this person. Why do they get to spend so much time together? Why don't I? You see, comparison is, I think, a, a great tool for the devil. Because as soon as we start to do that, it takes our contentment away. I could love my job. But as soon as I see someone getting paid more for the same, time, same job, I go, I don't love my job as much. I'm, I'm worth more than that. And when we do that, it, it, kills, it kills our joy. Solomon is telling us to view your job as a gift. There's joy in that. Make a contribution. Do everything wholeheartedly because work is a privilege. In, in the beginning, I, told, I was telling you about some, um, we were talking about Memorial Day and, and the loss. And one of the boys that I mentioned was a boy named Zach. And Zach found out that he had cancer a few years back. And, and, and now there's on, on YouTube this 20-minute clip of Zach's uh, experience with this cancer. And what's cool about it is it's not about Zach's process of dying. It's really about how Zach lived. Solomon tells us death's coming. Death's coming. We're all going to experience it. The real question and what we should seek to do is how do we live life to the fullest? How do we live a life of joy? I'm 17 years old, and I've asked two sarcoma. I've been told I have a few months to live, but I still have a lot of work to do. I want everyone to know, you don't have to find out you're dying to start living. The cool thing, if you go and check Zach Zo- z- or z- Zobiac online on YouTube, you'll, you'll see this 22-minute clip of of his last days. And what is so cool about that and why this, this, this story of Zach, the Stillwater Boy, is from, it has grown all over the world. There's like millions of, Andrew was telling me, there, there, are, there are millions of downloads in Europe. And what's so cool is Zach has, when faced with death, said, I'm going to live. Here's the reality, we're all faced with death. Are we going to make the decision to live? To live life to the fullest. To spend time with others. To find, to celebrate every day. To view our spouse as our prize. As our reward. And to see our job as a gift. I think that's what God wants. And that's really wise from the wisest man in the world. Let's pray. God, I thank You. I thank You that You've given us Your Word. I thank You that You have uh, not just set us on a path and said, okay, you guys figure it out, but that You've given us wisdom, that You've poured out Your wisdom into others who have been able to pour that into us. God, help us to be wise and to obey and listen to what You've said. God, I pray that as we leave here, joy would be sprung. I pray that our outlook, even today, would be to look for the celebration. And that as we wake up tomorrow morning, we would do the same. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.